Hello. Well, you know what it is, don't you? 300. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you <gasps> Wait Garage a Logic Podcast number 300. Hey! 300. And they said it couldn't be done. January 13th, 2020. 48 degrees was the high on this day in 1987, and it was 30 below on this day in 1916. Number 300. And you're still not ready to play <laughs> no, the opening, huh? No. Oh, no, that's my fault. That's my fault. Huh? What number? 299? 300. <laughs> and now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Let's look at today's Australian wildfire situation, mm-hmm. which is not good. No. A 50,000-year-old solution could exist. Aboriginal burning practices. Aboriginal people had a deep knowledge of the land, said historian Bill Gamage, an emeritus professor at Australian National University who studies Australian and Aboriginal history. They can feel the grass and know if it would burn well. They knew what types of fires to burn for what types of land, how long to burn, and how frequently. Skills like that, they have, but we don't know, Gamage said. Aboriginal techniques are based in part on fire prevention, ridding the land of fuel like debris, scrub, undergrowth, and certain grasses. The fuel alights easily, which allows for more intense flames that are harder to fight. The Aboriginal people would set small-scale fires that weren't too intense and clear the land of the extra debris. The smaller intensity of fires would lessen the impact on the insects and animals occupying the land, as well as protect the trees and the canopy. This has all been figured out 50,000 years ago. And though current uh, firefighters on the ground still use some fuel control and hazard reduction techniques, Gamage said it's not enough. Some of it is being done, but not skillfully, he said. We don't really take into account plants and animals that might be endangered. And secondly, we don't really know what's the best time of year, how much burn, how to break up a fire front. It's not like they know nothing, Gamage said, especially the firefighters on the ground. But he said it's not enough to make Australia safe. So they want to try to recapture these 50,000-year-old Aboriginal techniques. They knew when to light the fire. They knew how long to let it burn. Uh, Apparently, uh, they were uh, students of the land. Mm -hmm. Students of the land. Uh, In Australia, fires that are too hot actually allows the flammable undergrowth to germinate more. When early Europeans tried to copy Aboriginal techniques by lighting fires, they made the fires too hot and got even more of the flammable scrub, so they tried again and again. Even though people can see the Aborigines doing the fire control and could see the benefits, they couldn't copy it. It must be a really fine wow. recipe. Wow! They must have just had a real fine recipe for controlling this. Where the Aboriginal people, uh, where the Aboriginal people are in charge, they're not having big fires in Australia. In the South, where white people are in charge, we're having big problems. Isn't this amazing? Mm. Brush fires in Australia are never going to go away. That's according to Justin Leonard, a research dedicated a researcher dedicated to understanding bushfires and land management. Bushfires are ignited both naturally and by humans, but Leonard called them inevitable. Under worsening conditions, fires are harder to put out. They grow too big. 
And even aerial suppression isn't necessarily possible because of the wind. So what does that mean for indigenous fire techniques? Uh, They'll help, Leonard said, areas that have undergone preventable burning lead to less intense fires. But the problem is, under the worst of conditions, the fire will still be able to burn straight through the land despite any preventative measures. Uh, All right. In other words, indigenous burning techniques aren't enough on their own. Communities will need to properly manicure adjacent forests, landscape their own private property, and have effective house design and maintenance. In other words, the, the, this is a problem that they could probably have a better handle on than they currently do. By? By adopting these aboriginal practices and learning the secrets. Learning the secrets of how did you people so long ago figure this out? How did someone so rational... And, and with common sense, get something like that published. It's, it's CNN. This wow. is a CNN report. That's mm-hmm. even more shocking. Mm-hmm. And to counterpoint that, the Star Tribune yesterday on A6 ran a piece they republished from the New York Times headline, Misinformation Plagues Australia's Fire Debate. And they would have you believe that everything you just read, which to me seems like common sense, mm-hmm is misinformation and hullabaloo that's perpetrated by right-wing media such as Murdoch. Yeah, well, CNN ain't right-wing. Here's CNN. Mm, Right. Makes a lot of sense to me. The early inhabitants had to figure out a way just to survive. So they developed, apparently, what were these incredible skills of being in touch with nature to the degree where... They knew what to burn, when to burn, and how long to let it burn. But yet they continue to perpetrate the myth, or I shouldn't say myth, the idea that climate change is solely to blame. Uh, So an editorial that was published in something they call uh, the Oz, uh, quoting here, "On on a dry continent prone to deadly bushfires for centuries, fuel reduction through controlled burning is vital. So we're just saying. But they think that's propaganda. Oh, they think that's propaganda. Even when asking (laughs) residents of the state, Tina Moon, whose farm was devastated by the fire, said she was mostly furious about the government's failure to clear the land around her property. I don't think it's climate change, she said. No, Hmm. we had the editorial from the uh, Australian Telegraph last week where the the opinion... uh, Are we sure that's not Murdoch-owned? No, I don't know. Because if it is, it's right-wing propaganda, Joe. But Australia has always been prone to drought. Australia has always had bushfires, always will. Mm -hmm. And now you're compounding that. Uh, The other right-wing narrative that's... uh, it's not a narrative, it's the truth, but it's called a right-wing narrative, is that too many of these fires were caused by arsonists. Well, that happens to be true. Arson. Yeah. Why in the hell would you burn down your own country? I don't... 200, right? Wasn't it close yeah. to 200 people yeah. arrested? Yeah. And it's more than just dumb drunks, right? It's people actually setting fires on purpose. Well, it could be people uh, thinking that they should be getting rid of debris, and but don't have the skills that apparently the Aboriginal people have. Well, how do we get these guys out and say? Well, they're still Aborigines. Go into the go into the middle of the country and say, "Hey, Larry, you want to come and give a lecture here?" Well, you don't have to be an Aborigine. We do it all across this state every spring. We have controlled burns in all of these CRP and prairie grass areas, and they're either conducted by professionals who do this for a living, or they're conducted by local fire departments. 
Uh, in my area, the nearby fire department, Millerville, I think they burned like 400 acres, and they did a beautiful job. And then that prairie uh, came up just wonderful this summer and looked great. Well, and you have to remember, Native Americans did it for hundreds right. and hundreds of years. So they here. had the same skills, probably, as the Aboriginal people. Well, the same brains, anyway. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of right wing, you know nut- why they thought the Earth was their mother. Mm-hmm. Right. Speaking of right wing nut jobs, isn't that basically what Nugent said about the California wildfires? Well, it's poor forest management. Yeah, but also that the controlled burns would help, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. to get rid of the. But I suppose we've we've swallowed so much Kool Aid from the environmental <laughs> movement that we can't. We can't abide a fire no. started on purpose. You have to let that nature reclaim those dead branches. No, you got to get rid of them or all your damn country will burn right. down. The same thing's going on in this state, in the northern part of the state, with logging. We, my God, we can't let loggers in there to clear the forest and the dead falls and, and the growth and thin the forest out so it does better. No, 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 we have to leave it as it is. Why? Why do we have to leave it as it is? Because we've been taught that that, that would be harming nature. Right. No, no. When in fact it benefits nature. And these are the same people that think we can control nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. These are the same people that can tell you what they know the temperature will be 100 years from now. Well, you just flip the switch. We won't be here, but 100 years from now. We only have 10. Right. We're on about our fifth 10-year right. uh, plan. But the same people who preach that man is bigger than nature is afraid to let a logger go in there and make some good use out of a dead tree, a tree that has fallen. Because mm-hmm. an owl that might might be disturbed, and if you don't do that, that owl is just going to burn up. Well, we know what would happen if we were all part of, of government, because you'd want the temperature about 90 degrees in here, and we all want it about 65. <laughs> right. You want your mayor to be comfortable? <laughs> I ain't working in no meat locker. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Say, uh, big news uh, in the royal family. Apparently, uh, Harry and uh, Meghan Markle, who I think is the Yoko Ono of the royal family, she's going to break them up. <laughs> and John tells me that Yoko Start Ono didn't break up the Beatles. <laughs> uh, apparently, the Queen has given her blessing for them to move on. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, you know, this is uh, this was already written in asparagus. What? Well, you got what? a you got what? a lady in, in England. Uh, she's uh, Jemima Packington, and she predicted that Harry and Meghan Markle would step back from the royal family after reading some asparagus spears. She's sixty four <laughs> years old. She's the world's only asparamancer. It sounds like it. She sees the future by throwing asparagus into the air. I'll See? be wow. darned. Isn't that something? Wow! I wonder how you train uh, for that. She's uh, she's an asparamancer. <laughs> Uh, when I first cast the asparagus, it creates patterns, and it is the patterns I interpret, the vegetable reader said, explaining she inherited the ability inherited the ability from her aunt who read tea leaves and has been predicting the future since she was eight years old. Okay. I'm usually about 75 to 90% accurate. I go through my predictions each year and think, yep, that's happened. She's from Bath, Somerset. She admits sometimes she doesn't, read it quite correctly, but claims she is never far off when she reads the asparagus. <laughs> Among her previous prophecies, Packington said that many have uh, said that many have proven true, alleging that she was also able to predict Brexit, England winning the Cricket World Cup, and Theresa May being pushed out as prime minister. 
Just just by throwing asparagus up in the air. I think that's interesting. Should ask her if she wants me to take the Niners and the points this week. Right. <laughs> As for her broad 2020 predictions outside of the royal family, Packington says she foresees a real shakeup of the major political parties. Sports and sporting personalities will be embroiled in scandals. These are pretty, I could have come up with these. And concerns about global warming will take center stage, but more countries will take action to minimize the threat to the planet. Packington, however, did not disclose any lottery numbers or Super Bowl projections. Damn. So it looks like you just have to be on your own there. But uh, let's see. Uh, she she called this. She there's a picture of her, a helpful picture of her with some asparagus. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if she could possibly teach the rest of us how to do that. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like tea reading is a real deal, and you can actually learn how to read tea leaves. I bet Kenny, if you send her the proper amount of funds, she would absolutely <laughs> t- show you the way. Asparagus. I'd never heard of that one before. No, asparagus, that's a new one. Asparagus reading. I mow that crap reading. down. Get rid of that <laughs> I stuff. love asparagus. I don't want I do that too. to end up I on my too. dinner table, this... so I mow it all down. <laughs> Say, the skinnier uh, the asparagus, the better tasting it Chief is. Uh, Offside Correspondent Kelsey uh, has an Engie update. Oh. oh. Remember our old friend Engie? Sure, sure. Love him. I happened to turn on my car radio to AM 1130 the other night at about 730 and began mm. listening to Joe Paggs, who was a conservative talk show host who follows Hannity on that station. The first caller I heard was Engie. It took him about five minutes to irritate Pags. Engie proudly stated that he's been a caller to talk shows for 20 years and referred to Pags as his brother. Pags was giving him a hard time for going by the name Engie and wanted to know why he didn't just go by his real name. It was pretty entertaining as Engie was getting very upset. <laughs> have to laugh. Ingie's out there still terrorizing everything. Uh, Five minutes is a long time before he gets annoyed. You know, that's yeah. might be a record. Wasn't there a time where you and Pat had somebody on and the caller finally said, well, guys, I gotta go. Because you had <laughs> yes. him on for so long. Yes. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hail the flashlight, King. Hail you. Gentlemen, at the end of a long and productive week, it is with great anticipation that I mix an old-fashioned, put in my earbuds, and hit play on the Friday edition of Garage Logic. The mayor and the boys in the boathouse are always extra festive ahead of the scramble and the coming weekend. Well, I just listened to your 26-minute long on-air production meeting, also known as the Groinies. <laughs> it was good to get the recap of all the preposterous remarks from fools in the salon and elsewhere, but when it comes to choosing a winner... You boys need a little planning. Perhaps the many years of living in the belly of the beast, liberal lakes area of Minneapolis is rubbing off on me, but I believe your prestigious award ceremony might benefit from ranked choice voting. Before the mayor foghorns this idea, let me explain. Number one, the mayor provides his very comprehensive year in review of all the groiny nominees. Number two, go to break. Entice G. Ellers with an ad for Grunhofer's, Jack's, 30 Bales, Endor Mancetti's, Schmelz, whatever. Number three, during the break, the boys rank their top three groiny nominees. First place gets three points. Second place gets two points. Third place gets a point. Hmm. Number four, add up the points. Number five, come back from the break. Each of the dum-dums shares their rankings. <laughs> Number six, announce the winner with great fanfare. Should there be a tie, the mayor gets out the gavel and breaks the tie. Don't get me wrong, despite the disorganization this award season, the groinies were a lot of fun. Thanks for keeping us laughing and keep pushing back. Loyal GL listener in the uh, belly of the beast, Liberal Lakes area of Minneapolis, Steve Mulholland. Okay, we'll remember that. Next year we'll yep. use ranked choice voting. Um, but, yeah, the math part isn't going to work. That's going to be a disaster. Why? Why? Have you heard the show before? It, we don't do math. It's math. Yeah, but you can't... 
Well, second place Already gets two votes. Causing problems. Right. First place gets three already, votes. You he's already what? gasping for breath. Just for old time's sake. That's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you uh, have the privilege of, of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of. How do and I have the privilege you, of white privilege? David, by virtue of being a white male, you have white privilege. Uh, Ariva, I hate to break it to you, but you should have been better prepped. I'm black. God, I will never I can't believe she didn't win. That this, is the best. Well, because we had the local angle. We had to Elon. go with Ilhan. Yeah. But the, the the smug laugh she provides, like, oh, you don't know why yeah. you don't have white yeah. privilege? <laughs> oh, man. How did she backtrack out of that? I don't remember. I don't recall either. She, she, she joked and, and apologized right, right away, but still sounded like a complete idiot. But people still, she sold millions of books. I mean, people, who? Uh, Ariva Martin. Yeah. I don't really know of her. Because I pulled up her bio. Well, I, I have devised a plan in order to streamline the groinies and work the, uh, make them work perfectly. But I decided, yeah, who wants that? <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like any fun at all. We got a, uh, we have uh, a groinie coming up today. Nice. Ilhan Omer was the first uh, groin kick recipient of 2020, and we have a number, another one coming up today. Uh, this, remember we were talking about Y2K and giving it its, its due as it was a problem solved by man who could deal yes. with facts yep. and evidence. And, and uh, uh, Charles writes, I was listening to, the, to show number 296 and you guys were talking about the good old Y2K. I would like to share my story. That night we had a bunch of family and friends over to our newly built home. People up and downstairs all having a great time with the TV set to watch the big ball drop. When the ball was ready for the countdown, I went into the mechanical room and could still hear the countdown. When it got to one, I quickly turned the master main breaker off and everything oh, went black. That is fantastic. You see, my new house Damn. was in the country and no neighbors. So when it went black, it went black. You could hear a pin drop. Oh. I was laughing so hard I could hardly turn the breaker back on. They did forgive me, but still talk about it every year. Oh, why That's didn't I think of that? Brilliant. Brilliant. That would have been an... Oh, I got to wait for... Twenty one hundred. Uh, Reva Martin is an American attorney, advocate, producer, TV talk show host, commentator, author, and CNN analyst from St. Louis. She She's is a moron. She is what she is. Popular <laughs> for appearing on many talk shows like Dr. Phil, AC three sixty, CNN Tonight, Good Morning America, etc. Well, she's and an idiot. She's it was almost one year ago to the date. It was January fifteenth, twenty nineteen, when she was on with. David Webb's uh, Sirius XM radio show. I'll be damned. And then I believe he he was on the following day with some news outlet, and they were basically just hammering away at Ariva how stupid she was. Right. It was very funny. I hate to hand it to you, but I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> Say, uh, Grunhoffers has already come up a few, a few times in the show today. I'm sure uh, there's still need for Grunhoffers today because tonight you got the college championship football game. But, but. And it's going to be, what, 25 degrees? You get out there and grill. Yes. And you need your uh, you need your brats from Grunhoffers. Grunhoffers old-fashioned meats at the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. It has become the meat capital of the garage logic world. Spencer has added beef brisket, bacon and blue cheese burgers, choice bone-in and boneless prime rib roast, double smoked hams. Choice tenderloin, smoked salmon, lamb chops and rolls, pickled herring. Call him if you call him ahead. Uh, give him a call at 651-426-2800 if you think you need something special put together for you. But the uh, GLers grill all season long, and they always make it to Grunhofer's, which is the uh, meat palace of uh, Gumption County. 
130 different flavors of brats. You can't miss it. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats at the north end of Hugo, right on the east side of Highway 61. the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Amid recent tensions between Washington and Tehran, during which President Trump threatened to target 52 sites important to Iran and the Iranian culture, Fanzi, a fellow named Ashin Fanzi, suggested that Iran's supreme leader might want to do the same and get specific. Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, whatever the hell your name is, you fruitcake, should tweet a list of 52 sites of cultural American heritage that he would bomb. Fanzi, an adjunct professor and administrator at Babson College in Wellesley, Mass., wrote on Facebook earlier last week, um, the Mall of America, the Kardashian residence. Fanzi would later describe the post as a bad attempt at humor, telling Boston news outlets that he was only poking fun at the nation's relative lack of ancient culture, but his apology couldn't save his job. The business school announced Thursday that it fired him. That's fantastic. The failed academy actually took uh, action. Fanzi expressed regret that Babson did not come to his defense and instead fired him. Just because people willfully misinterpreted a joke I made to my friends on Facebook, he told the Boston Herald. The incident marks the most recent instances instance of professors drawing flack for their commentary on current events, uh, particularly uh, as questions of academic freedom and free speech play out in an increasingly volatile area of politics and policy. Uh, Fanzi may be one of the first administrators to be disciplined for his Facebook posts. Just a few months after receiving his MBA from Babson in 08, he began working as an adjunct professor in the university's graduate program uh, in between teaching courses about marketing and sustainable entrepreneurship. He uh, also developed curriculum for an undergraduate class combining biology and business. Uh, the, this is either the Washington Post or the New York Times, and they feel great need to point out what a wonderful guy uh, Fanzi is. Uh, he was born and raised as an American. He regretted the post. Uh, kick this guy. Kick this that moron. deserves this. Where's the funny in that joke? There isn't any. It's, yeah. it's too it's, sad. It's, it's, it's in 2017, sad. the University of Tampa fired a visiting sociology professor who tweeted that Hurricane Harvey was instant karma. I'm sorry, instant karma for the state of Texas going for Trump in the presidential election. In New Jersey that year, a similar fate awaited a gender studies adjunct at Montclair State University who was stripped of two courses after he posted to Twitter that Trump was a bleeping joke and should be shot. And at Drexel University in Philadelphia, a politics and global studies professor was placed on leave and then resigned after controversial tweets in which he said Trumpism was to blame for the 2017 mass shooting in Vegas. As he reflected on his own firing, Fanzi seemed to pick up on that trend. Beyond my own situation, I am really concerned about what this portends for our ability as Americans to engage in political discourse without presuming the worst about each other. Well, let me try to interpret that. In other words, Ashin Fanzi, uh, considering these other examples, uh, is worried that those will be uh, uh, forbidden, and he's defending them as uh, political discourse. So in other words, let's shoot the president. Sure. That's political discourse. <laughs> 
And uh, Trump is to blame for the mass shootings in Vegas. Let's let's that's that's not political discourse. Right. You're an idiot. We've lost the ability to call people idiots. That's why we have the groin <laughs> kick awards. So this guy's going in the groin kick file. This is a new file. It's Twenty. It's the 2020, 2020 file. Right. file right? It's the 2020 file. Did you uh, get the quote in there? I, I wasn't paying attention that uh, Fanzi suggested that the school overreacted yeah. in yeah. firing. He's, he's disappointed the school isn't defending him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a miracle. I, I am shocked that they that fired the failed him. academy yeah. got rid of this I'm, moron. I'm shocked they did. I so. think that Mall of America comment probably is what put him over the top. Don't so. you think? I think he's so. bombing a, a major mall. What was it? What would they be doing? Bombing. bombing. Did I say it again? Yeah. Bombing. 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 Was it bombing? Bombing. bombing. We're going to make a bomb. 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 What are you from <laughs> India? We're going to make a bomb. We'll make a bomb. We're going to make a bomb. Bomb the saloon. <laughs> uh, you're all aware that the salon in St. Paul has decided that each newborn should get fifty bucks for yeah. a college yeah, education. Yeah, great yeah. idea. Uh, kept a textbook. Kept in a normal savings account, which means it'll learn nothing. Uh, well, I have good news. Uh, Late last week, Republican lawmakers proposed a bill in opposition to that plan. Uh, Representative Steve Drazkowski and Representative Tim Miller, both Republicans, expressed concern that state taxpayer money was being used to fund the program. They said they believe other districts around the state should not have to contribute and offered a new plan. Our bill would repeal the half million dollars of taxpayer money that went to launch St. Paul's Savings Program, Drazkowski said. Additionally, it reduces the amount of future local government aid funds a city is awarded if they set up these savings accounts with packs with taxpayer dollars. We need to bring fairness back. St. Paul's current plan received $4 million from private foundations and donors in addition to the 500000 in state funding. Lawmakers will consider the proposal when the new legislative session begins in February. I hope they prevail. This is an outrage. It's an absolute outrage. All it did is allow Carter to hire four more people. His cabinet now stands at 20 people. Oh, 20 wow. people. Melvin, wow. in an inter- interview with uh, the Star Tribune, yeah. claims that uh, women and people are um, uh, coming up to him in Target and offering to write $25 checks really? to help this fund out for these kids. Well, they're idiots, <laughs> too. <laughs> so moved by his generosity. But doesn't it, it, it shows, though, how dumb like a fox he is that that's all the news coverage is and all these people don't realize, like Joe said, it's not going to get any interest. It's going to be $52 in 18 years. Well, and plus, plus, we're not even going to be here. True. That's right. The loons will be here, but we got to go. What do we got, 10 years? We out of meat. We out of meat. We closed. Let's come back with Johnny Height. of Garage Logic 98, College of Self-Esteem, Zip, Nada, Nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. For all things that are holy, let's get it over with, GLers. I know you've been thinking about it. Stop procrastinating. Get your permit to carry taken care of. Schedule the class this week. Never mind this week. Do it right now. I want you to write this down or, or just keep it handy in your brain. MinnesotaGunClass.com slash GLer. It's the most informative, comprehensive training course I've ever seen to get your permit to carry and purchase. That's important. You get a permit to purchase. You don't have to wait a month to, to buy that favorite firearm. This place, Minnesota Gun Class, it's run by Gary Peterson and his son, Matt, GLers, who years ago decided to make it their life's mission to get the lot of us, all of us, 
thoroughly trained in the safe handling and operation of handguns. And these classes cover everything. They're conducted by polite, well-schooled firearm experts who care about getting you, your wife, the husband, kids, grandkids, whoever, the best training possible. Do I have to say the website again? I will if I have to. MinnesotaGunClass.com slash GLR. And I brought up the trainers. And this is important. It's not from some bitter redneck wearing camo and a sleeveless T-shirt in his converted basement spitting chew into a can. (laughs) These guys care. Get a lucky going. Yeah, no, it's not one of those. Reavers, put your phone down. It's nothing to... God almighty, I'm I'm, dealing with teenagers. I'm trying to make sure that our 1 o'clock participants... You were talking... That was business? Yes. I apologize. Anyway... How's that spot going, Kenny? Anyway, I just want you to know these guys are clean and they care about all of us. The classes are geared for everyone. Uh, even if you're advanced shooters, get get your training at Minnesota Gun Class. Openings available right now for GLers. It's a perfect intro. Uh, and watch the free video. Go to minnesotagunclass.com slash GL. Be sure to enter that GL part, minnesotagunclass.com slash GL. Stupid question. Do you have to have a gun? No, of course good. not. Right. No, no, absolutely. That's a not. good question. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great class to just start to learn how yeah. to handle and a you firearm. And you can get the permit. And they, they you don't need to even own a gun. You don't. You don't. Well, you, you get the permit, and then you go to DK Mag. You need to use the the firearm on the range to ensure that you're pro- properly trained. But they'll provide one. There is a shooting. Uh, yeah, you can you can usually rent one from the range. Yeah. But there is a shooting test just to make sure that you handle that firearm properly. And uh, my advice, my personal advice would be to rent one, go to the range a lot, and learn how to use it. And my guess is their opinion of gun control is the second bullet through the first hole. Yeah, that's, that's always impressive. Took me a minute. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Uh, we're all set football-wise now for the championship games. The uh, NFC uh, is, of course, the Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers. That'll we be, heard. That'll be the 540 game on Sunday. The uh, 2 o'clock game, Tennessee at Kansas City. At Kansas City uh, offense. They can, they can move the ball, as they, they say. We're down 24 24-0. 24-0. 24-0. Yeah. I never had confidence in Houston yesterday, and I don't know why. Even at 24 nothing, nope, I didn't. Yeah. Because Bill O'Brien, is I, well, he's at, my least favorite coach At, at 24 nothing, there was only one way it could go. It was either going to—well, two ways it was going to go. It was going to continue to be a route or a spectacular comeback. There you go. Yeah. yeah. At 24 nothing, and you having the over in that game, you were sitting very oh, pretty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Was anybody here pulling for the Packers other than you, Well, John, I was, of y- course. Yeah. Anybody else? No, I was pulling for Seattle. Yeah. yeah just I'm for a, the hell of I it. I like Russell Wilson. I was just going to say, I like Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. but I must say, what? I do Wait. like— uh, a championship game, you know, I love when the Packers are are in it. It's it's still I fun. think Frisco can beat Green Bay. Well they did already well, they've this year. Already yeah. clobbered That's why year. I said yeah. it, I guess. Yeah. But 30, I like thirty seven to eight. I like the uh real grass. I like when they play on real grass. Is San Francisco real? Yes. yes. Yep. You know what bugs me though about Seattle? DK Metcalf and that stupid pacifier. We're not doing what? sports what? Why, why do you it's let DK that bother you? I don't why, know why. Why do you let that bother you? I don't know that why. That quarterback, by the way, for Seattle's a sissy. Every time he ran the ball, he, he <laughs> was sliding into home plate. That, what a, that quarterback what a for was. Seattle is a monster. It, without him, they'd have lost 50 to nothing. Yes. Oh, believe me, I know. My wife was yelling and screaming at me every every time I yelled, You're a sissy! He Take a, the hit! He was a one-man offense, pretty much. I did learn a new penalty that's in the book. 
uh, open helmet uh, tackling. This is illegal. No, you 15 yards. Uh, you can't put your hands inside the helmet. That's always I've never been a heard rule. an open John, really? you got to continue to do the news. Because I, I of like that stupid Packers. tweet and because of you, <laughs> Did you re-block me? tagging me, I, I have now muted you. Damn it. I will never I see it. please. I did write a song about all this. Just so you know. Because oh, I've written songs that people get mad at. I've picked on the president. I've picked on Ilhan Omar. I've picked on You're going to go after AOC. the Vikings. No, I picked on AOC. Uh, so I just thought I should write a song that could bring us all together. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. The Packers can still go to the Super Bowl, but the Vikings cannot. <laughs> the Packers probably won't, but the Vikings cannot. <laughs> the Vikings players have all gone home. The Packer players have not. Viking fans have packed it in for the offseason. Packer fans have not. Maybe this week I'll cheer for the Vikings. Oh, wait. I can't. You'll this is supposed to bring us together? Yeah, yeah. isn't it? I, yeah, I feel closer. Don't You'll worry. skull for no reason. Oh, wait. I can't. That's right. <laughs> so in closing, I think there's only one thing to know. On Sunday night in my living room, it's Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! <laughs> the ultimate troll. That really brought us together. Did that bring us close enough for you to unmute me? <laughs> no, I will Damn. never unmute you. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm just going to edit that part out of the show anyway. <laughs> the that power was, of the edit. That was awesome, Not John. to mention you got a nice ball game tonight. Yeah, it's uh, the <laughs> national Tigers versus Tigers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. There's 25 colleges named Tigers in this country. I will be honest, I'm glad the Vikings lost to San Francisco because I couldn't stand if they were going to lose to Green Bay. If they were going to lose one of them, I just wanted it over with. Yeah. Because a third loss to the Packers this year would have been fun. In the (laughs) news, in the thick of winter, one of the snowiest parts of Minnesota might lose its snowplow drivers. After hours of negotiation, St. Louis County officials could not come up with an agreement on a new contract with union reps, and now it looks like there could be a strike. Uh, The Teamsters in Duluth represent bridge workers, building maintenance workers, part specialists, and snowplow mechanics and operators. Kevin Gray, the county's administrator, said, In this case now, we've been informed they've rejected our last final offer at the bargaining table. Duluth sits within the county and has already received quite a bit of snow. And this week, when a strike could start, they expect more snow. According to the DNR, areas along the Lake Superior snow belt, which includes St. Louis County, can average upwards to 70 inches of snowfall a year. The 168 union members' latest contract ended on December 31st. Among the issues the Teamsters have with the new contract includes pay rate, benefits, health care options, and seniority rights. But according to the county, how much the sick leave accrual cap should be the biggest roadblock. Are, are most of the agreement. drivers, are they part-time workers? In other words, do they have other gigs and then they just do this on the side? That I do not know. Hmm. It's a, there's 170 employees so that wow. are involved in all of this. Well, they're probably pothole fillers and yeah, do yeah. other stuff when the public not, works guys. Do they feel like they're what? They're they're just not getting paid enough, and Co- the county has the county doesn't have a whole bunch of money, do they? No, they don't. And the one uh, which I thought was weird in the story, uh, a big stickler apparently is fifteen hundred hours of sick time that the workers want if if they are done, if they retire, if that's what they okay. would accrue if okay. they didn't use it. But the county came to the table with one thousand three hundred fifty. So it's only 150 hours, but apparently that's a big sticking point. So, Well, I, good luck I, I to them. 
Yeah. And I mean, County Commissioner Mike Good Gold. Luck to who? Which side? Whatever. All of them. See, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is fair. an important question. Good luck to who? Good luck to the. What do you think they make an hour? Good luck to the taxpayers. There you go. Thank you. What do you think they make an hour? I don't want to continue this. Well, I was just going to see what Wait, 150 hours was. It's not important. You know what? They probably make the, a lot an hour. Getting in the middle of union disputes, it's like talking about abortion. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's going to do us no good. Right, yeah, nobody's going to win. <laughs> is a walkway a promenade or a promenade? A nod. Promenade? Okay. Hennepin County Commissioner Mike Opat plans to make an extensive presentation <laughs> to the county board tomorrow on an ambitious project called Wishbone, a curved promenade of nearly a mile. I that think was... it's promenade. Okay, well, well that too. Uh, Kenny's only uh, history with promenade was from Love Boat on Channel 5. You know what's really good is Ocean Spray Cran Promenade. Promenade. Oh, Ooh, my promenade. God, Kenny's okay. right. Promenade. Hey, go promenade. For... Thank you. It's a curved promenade of nearly a mile that would span the Mississippi River and put pedestrians above St. Anthony Falls. Opat said, great cities have great public spaces. He envisions the project as something like New York City's High Line, a popular 1.45-mile elevated linear park along a former rail line on the west side of Manhattan. Really cool place to see. Really cool. Opat said the very preliminary cost estimate is 50 to $100 million. No. He repeatedly emphasized that Hennepin oh. County would be a partner, not necessarily the lead on the project. The Parks and Rec Board would likely play a major role in gauging public interest. Dave Norback, principal at RSP Architects in Minneapolis, created the Wishbone concept after brainstorming about how to better connect the city to the Mississippi no, River. No, 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 no. It's not a false. It's a man-made facade. It's a joke. It's nothing to look at. Would it lead plus, you anywhere? Plus, you have the bridge. Uh, the, what's the name of the curved bridge that runs uh, Great North? The Arch, Stone Arch. Yeah. Stone Arch. You've got that. What else do you need? Yeah. You know, just, Is that even open to cars? Just, no, of course not. Well, then you just walk that. Yeah. You want to walk over the river? Yeah. You got your bridge. You, you got there a you good go. glimpse from that yeah. thing. You just shut up with your, how much was it? <laughs> 50 to 100 million yeah. dollars. No, no. Thumbs down. I'm, 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 I'm in agreement. Wouldn't we displace some fish or some living creatures You'd in the so. river while we're doing You'd that? Think that so. falls <laughs> is a joke. It, it's not a falls. It, it's, it's water a running over concrete. Right. Iranians gathered at universities Monday for the third straight day of protests, according to images posted on social media, after Iran's military admitted, yes, it did shoot down that Ukrainian airliner it mistook for a hostile aircraft last week. Videos show demonstrators fleeing from tear gas and, in one case, a woman bleeding in the leg, which protesters say came due to live ammunition. Reuters also reported hearing sounds of gunfire in videos posted on social media, along with images of pools of blood on the street. In a statement on TV, Tehran's police chief said police did not shoot at protesters and are under orders to show restraint. Did you note now how the the temperament of the protesters has changed? Yes. They're refusing to step on an American flag. They're not burning American flags. They're coming to their senses about how screwed they are living under that regime. Right. That uh, The flag thing, it's amazingly it's amazing. powerful piece of video to yes. watch as they part so they yep. don't walk on the Israeli or the U.S. Right. Flag. Pretty amazing. What Rep- if Trump, by killing Salami, just completely revolutionized the Middle Iran. East <laughs> to turn into a complete democratic republic? <laughs> They'd still find a way to blame him, and he'd still find a way to screw it up on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Red hot lava gushing out of a volcano near the Philippine capital of Manila on Monday as thousands of people fled the area through heavy ash. Is this that video you retweeted from Douglas? 
uh, with the lava. That was. Did you guys see this yeah. video? Yeah. That was. In, that, is that the same story, Johnny? I don't know. I didn't see his. This is the one with the smoke and the lightning and the explosion. Yes, the lightning. Yes, the one. Experts warn the eruption could get worse. Plans are being made to evacuate hundreds of thousands of people. Clouds of ash blew more than 62 miles north of the volcano. It's called the Tal Volcano, reaching Manila, the capital, and forcing the shutdown of the main airport. There have been no reports of casualties or major damage from the eruption, which began Sunday. Police said more than 13,000 villagers had moved to evacuation centers in the hard-hit province of Batangas and nearby Cavite province. The new mid-engine Chevrolet Corvette won North American Car of the Year Award on Monday morning. The Kia Telluride took Sport Utility of the Year honors and the Jeep Gladiator. I love the Jeep Gladiator, by the way. I want one. Won the Truck of the Year Award. About 50... It's not a truck. It is a truck. (laughs) Yeah. It's got a back end. Yeah, it's a city of truck. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of you truck that you people would drive. I got a challenge for Kenny when we come back. Oh, good. About 50 automotive journalists serve as judges for the awards, which are announced every January. They're chosen from dozens of candidates, must be new or substantially changed. Automakers often use the awards in advertising. The judges evaluate everything on value, innovation, design, performance, safety, technology, and driver satisfaction. The selection process started last summer. Pretty good price on that cheap truck, though, by the way. Not, Not bad, bad at all. Yeah. Right, right around 33 That's yeah. pretty good for a truck yeah. and for a Jeep. Yeah. Neil Peart, everybody's probably uh, aware of this, uh, yep. died last week, the virtuoso drummer and lyricist for Rush. He died in Santa Monica, California at age 67. The cause was brain cancer. Peart had been quietly battling the brain cancer for three and a half years. He was one of rock's greatest drummers, being uh, flamboyant yet precise, and paid homage to his hero, the Who's Keith Moon, whenever he could. He joined singer-bassist Getty Lee and guitarist Alex Lifeson in Rush in 1974. And his musicianship and philosophical lyrics, which initially drew on Ayn Rand and science fiction and later became more personal, helped make the trio one of classic rock era's essential bands. The drum fills on Tom Sawyer were pop hooks in their own right, each one with mini composition, his lengthy drum solos, carefully constructed and packed with drama, were highlights of every Rush concert. Did you see the video of the... Uh the Baltimore Ravens the security guard yes. God, doing that best. was so cool. When his first wife and daughter died in a car accident, he got on a BMW motorcycle and disappeared for a year. Yeah. Lee and Lifeson didn't know where he was, and he took off from Canada, went to the tip of South America, and then he slowly, as he returned, he would send them postcards so that they then knew he was alive because they didn't literally know if he was alive. Wow! And uh, and then it took about another year before he decided to start playing again. And then what, what else he would do is he would take his motorcycle to all of their appearances. If they played in Chicago and two days later they were in St. Louis, he arrived by motorcycle. Wow. Where did you learn all I this? I read his book. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's hmm. just a fascinating guy. Wow. He's really interesting. Has anybody here ever seen them live? I have I not. Have. You I have. have. I saw them in 82, maybe. What in the world possessed you to go see What Rush? possessed me was the band I was in wanted to all go see them together. I said, great. And the other thing, uh, the opening act was Rory Gallagher, who, oh. who I love. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So all the, the we all kind of music geeks, and the other guys are just wonderful players. I mean, they went to school to be musicians. So they, of course, were big Rush fans and made great fun I of can't, me. I can't stand Rush's music, but as three individuals, I find them all interesting guys. Yeah. 
And they're all great musicians, yeah. just the music. I can't stand Geddy Lee. Geddy Lee needs to stick his finger up his nose and pull all those boogers out, because his uh, his voice really bugs me. <laughs> wow. There you go. Who's the, who's the, who's the group that uh, they have their own plane and their own pilots, the lead singer? Uh uh, Black run, Sabbath? run to the Hills. No. Uh, who sings Run to the Hills? Uh, Metallica? Uh, no. no. Uh, 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 <laughs> the middle, middle, middle. They're the big. Uh, Aerosmith. No. Sweet no. emotion. No. But it's the same thing there. I can't stand heavy metal for the most uh, part, but I find all of those guys very interesting guys. And they did a movie on it uh, They uh, of their tour. They, Iron, Maiden. Iron, Iron Maiden. Maiden. Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Michelle. Uh, he's a Bruce Dickinson. He's yeah. a pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's they, a really good song, actually. Run what? to the Hills. Run to the Hills. Yeah. They have their own 747. And he yep. flies it. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Oscar nominations came out this morning. Uh, Joker topped all films with 11 Academy Award nominations. Martin Scorsese's crime drama The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino's 60s Los Angeles fairy tale Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Sam Mendez's World War I Tale 1970 all trailed right behind with 10 nods apiece. So long that Leonardo DiCaprio's date was too old <laughs> for him. That's a funny line. Those four were among the nine films nominated. The other films, Parasite, Little Women, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, and Ford versus Ferrari. Suits, you've seen two of those I've seen two. Yeah. The Joker's nominations include a Best Actor for Joaquin Phoenix and Best Director for Phillips. The ten nominations for The Irishman included Scorsese being nominated for Best Director for the ninth time. The film also won nods for Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, but not Robert De Niro. 1917 followed up its Golden Globes win and strong opening weekend at the box office with nominations not just for technical achievement, but for Best Screenplay, too. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood nominated in just about every category it was expected to, including Tarantino for directing and screenplay, Best Actor for Leonardo DiCaprio, and Best Supporting Actor for Brad Pitt. I think Tarantino does for Los Angeles what Woody Allen has done for New York. Makes it agreeable. Yeah. Woody sure. Allen could make New York look like the most comforting place in the world. Mm-hmm. And Tarantino mm-hmm. can do that with L.A. I mm. believe your initial review on Twitter was, uh, it, wasn't it, meh? Yeah. It, you know, it's typical of him. He had five different stories going. and, and yeah. uh, But great soundtrack and great cars. Huh. You know. Two of the best things in your, two of the things in the movie, that any movie you're looking for. We're going to come back with a quiz for, or not a quiz, but a, a challenge for Kenny. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you! Joe, occasional correspondent Jay here. I just finished catching up on this week's podcast, and with rookie dining in an igloo and the Utah kids surviving in a snow cave, there's a bit of a winter survival theme to the show lately. I was moved to write. You see, a couple of other cityots and I have made it a point for many years now to keep our relationship with nature fresh by regularly venturing out into it to see what happens. As evidence, I've attached three pictures. The first one probably would mostly interest Reavers and shows two of us having hiked a, having hiked a couple of summits to the summit of La Plata Peak, 14,360 feet elevation oh in my. Colorado's wow. Sawatch Range a couple of months back. The second two are more in keeping with the recent theme of the show. 
You see, once a winter, we make it a point to snowshoe into the backcountry somewhere in a forest in the Arrowhead, build a snow shelter, and camp in it overnight. Wow. We build a shelter technically called a Quincy, which is an Inuit word for temporary igloo, but really it's just a garden variety snow fort. We pile snow up about six feet high, pack it down with our snowshoes, go have a couple of tin cups of Windsor around a fire for a couple of hours while it settles, then we hollow it out and sleep in it. Wow. The second picture shows the finished Quincy. We usually build them on beaver ponds or lakes, so we have a nice level foundation. The one in the picture is the in the country in back of Finland, Minnesota, on South Eggy Lake. Yeah, we keep wow. it pretty close inside. The less space to heat, the warmer they are. The third picture shows the interior, a little claustrophobic, but even when it's 10 below outside and snowing sideways, as it was on our last trip, it hovers around 40 degrees inside and makes for a warm and comfortable night. Mm. Kenny is always looking for a road trip idea for the show. I've been listening since the start, so I know that this isn't a realistic <laughs> option for the entire crew, but if Tractor Boy would ever want to measure his vaunted outdoor skills and practical know-how against a pack of helpless Minneapolis cityites. He is welcome to throw a pack on and join us anytime. Our 2020 trip is set for the weekend of Feb 22nd, and Kenny is not only invited, but challenged to attend. I I, eagerly uh, await a response. I did that as a kid uh, in my teens, and I vowed I would never do it again, and I'm going to stick by it only because I know what it takes. But I uh, I would send my son in my stead, and he would love to go. He would absolutely love it because... That's all he ever well, talks about. But what was I got a lot was? of I got a lot of respect for this guy. That is awesome. Yeah, that is. That's really cool. Have you any of you guys ever been to Finland? No. Oh, it's just a remarkable, uh, beautiful spot in this state. Uh, volcanic. I'm really impressed. Yeah, Such. Volcanic uh, news, uh, John. You had some. Mm-hmm. The Philippine volcano brings threat of volcanic tsunami after eruption halts flights. Thousands flee. And then I uh, came across this. Why are volcanoes all over the globe suddenly shooting giant clouds of ash miles into the air? Apparently, we are being inundated with volcanic eruptions, uh, which put more junk in the air than you you ever will with your minivan. Uh, and it talks about all the... There's an Alaska Volcano Observatory announced that Shishaldin volcano erupted. Uh, and then we got down here, we got uh, something else, uh, Mexico City. Uh, approximately 26 million people live within 60 miles of Popocatapetl Center. <laughs> so we were talking about potential for death there. Uh, down in South America, we have volcanic activity. I'm surprised we haven't heard from Stacy on this. We will, I imagine. Sure. Uh, earthquakes uh, and volcanic. Uh, you got the uh, quakes on Puerto Rico. Uh, which is devastating that country, still mm-hmm. trying to recover from a hurricane. Uh, but my point of this is uh, this is nature that can't be controlled. Can't go down to the belly. Uh, it, it's not going to change the belly of mother if uh, does, we're using plastic straws. But does that equate with warming? It, it can't. It, it has nothing to do with temperature. Earthquakes are, and, and volcanoes are out of our hands. Are people saying it does? No, no, no. But you asked the question, didn't you? You said, is this warming? You want some money in the scan bucket? <laughs> when did I say that? I don't know. You did. You I said, did? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll roll with it. The Philippine Institute of Volcanology and Seismology said in an advisory, the Tall Volcano, 
located 37 miles south of Manila, has been continuously blasting a column of steam, ash, and pebbles up to nine miles into the sky. That's alert level four. I don't know how many levels there are, but it's four, probably five. That means that hazardous explosive eruption is possible within hours to days. Level five, here it is, the highest, means a hazardous eruption is underway and could affect a larger area. The point being, look at the junk that's being shoved into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Now, we, haven't, we haven't created this. We haven't done anything to bring this about. Uh, and it's happening, again, uh, all around the so-called Ring of Fire, a 25,000-mile horseshoe-shaped ring accounting for approximately 90% of the world's earthquakes. Uh, you can't even you can't even fly there right now. The redu- the region is the location of most of the Earth's subduction zones, where oceanic plates slide under the lighter continental plates. Earthquakes tend to happen when those plates scrape or subside underneath each other, and when that happens at sea, it can spawn tsunamis. The region contains 452 volcanoes, more than 75 percent of the world's active and dormant volcanoes. Not to mention, you got that little Hummer sitting under Yellowstone. Right. When that baby goes, it's it's break glass smoke lucky. It's over. Kenny's (laughs) going to drive towards it. Yeah. Get into it. (laughs) But no, I'm rereading Jay's letter. You you should have waited till the end of the show to give me this. I'm now so distracted by this, it's all I can think of. The kid that built the snow forts? That's not a snow fort. It's a Quincy. Yeah. You been to Finland? Uh, Many times. Really? Why? Didn't know that. Finland's a town in Minnesota. Oh, I thought he meant the country. No. I thought it was don't, kind of weird that you went to no, Europe. No, you're in enough trouble. Don't, don't, don't. You have no idea. That was a tough meeting. It you was have, a tough meeting on Friday, I will you, say that. You have no idea how the, how thin the ice is that you're skating on, do you? I don't know. I'm reminded <laughs> of that from last Friday's meeting. I think uh, what Jay wants to know if you want to go camping. <laughs> we used to do that when I was a kid. We would build an igloo on the lake and sleep in it overnight. No. Yeah. Really? On the lake? Yeah. yeah. You could hear the ice grow. Yeah, oh. I would not fit. I would not do that. You know, and he had me at the get-go when he said they hike up to 14,000 feet. Yeah. Uh, you can barely breathe breathe at 14,000 feet. It's really thin I think there. they're younger guys and they're fit. <laughs> so they're the opposite of us. <laughs> they don't have a big bouncy ball like me hanging, hanging off the front. You know, the, the, the gang of listeners just can't let the plastic bag thing go, and I applaud them for doing the work. Here's Darren's note. I did not find the numbers you did on plastic bags to seem plausible at the beginning of yesterday's show, referring to uh, Thursday's show. 38 pounds must be more than 2,096 bags, as the other listener figured. I had to do my own math, and I found some variation. I uh, got bags from several stores, but I do not have a bag from Target. Here are my weights with the bags that I have at work. Local grocery store, uh, 6 grams. Walmart, 5 grams. Dollar General, 5 grams. Mills Fleet Farm, 10 grams. And he notes notes parenthetically, very nice bags. Uh, Alco, 6 grams. Cashwise, 7 grams. The target bag the other listener used was 0.29 ounce, which is 8.22 grams. Target's... Target uses a nicer bag than most places, so that weight is what I would expect. The average weight of my bags is 6.5 grams. 30, somebody played the crickets. 38, <laughs> 38 pounds is 17.236.5 grams. 17,236.5 grams. Divide that by 6.5, and you end up with 2,652 bags, or 7.26 bags per day. I will list a few more numbers that I find interesting. 
So anyway, Rook, uh, I can't do this. Finland Derek. is just north of Highway 61 <laughs> yeah. on Bay? Highway One. No, it's north of Silver. <laughs> okay. uh, just north of Silver Bay. Gotcha. Uh, no, no more. Confusion. It's up there, uh, just south of Isabella, which is also another. I have been to Camp Isabella. Darren wants us to know that not all bags are created equally. Ah. Let's leave it there. <laughs> it's diversity. Not all bags are created equally. I got you. Okay. Target does have a nice bag. GLers, they've got to know that our our eyes glaze over when you start in on the math like that. Well, I know, just, but I, I didn't start in. Our listeners are fantastic. I, I, I think they're playing with us. I think they're messing with us. Now, we'll we stick with the winter snow theme, should we? Yeah. Uh, Downing wants to know where do our sensibilities lie, and he's uh, referring to the story of a man who survived weeks in remote Alaska after his cabin burned down. And he had written SOS in the snow. Uh, he survived more than three weeks in the Alaskan wilderness after his remote cabin burned down. He was rescued last week by state troopers who spotted an SOS signal stamped in the snow. Alaska state troopers said in a news release that 30-year-old Tyson Steele was found Thursday at a makeshift shelter at his remote home site about 20 miles out of Squintna, located about 70 miles northwest of Anchorage. Officials were conducting a welfare check on Steele after he had not been heard from for several weeks when they arrived in a helicopter in the remote area to find a 30-year-old waving for help. Steele's shoulder-length hair, chestnut brown near the roots, fading to golden brown near its frayed... What? Wait, why Why is this... What? What the hell? Are we coloring his hair? Are we reading GQ this... or something? All of a sudden? Yeah, flowing uh, Fabio. I'm seeing Fabio. Yeah, Fabio. Fabio. Yeah. No, listen to this. What, what is this? This was written by state trooper Ken Marsh. Steel's shoulder-length hair, chestnut brown near the roots, fading to golden blonde near <laughs> yeah, its frayed tips. Camping. No! Right. Oh, no. and dreadlocks-like over his neck. His auburn beard flowed untrimmed to give his us chest. Some, give us some romantic music, would you, John? I'm getting randy over he here. Held me Alaska state like trooper. Days. Ken Marsh wrote, The combination made him seem vaguely reminiscent of actor Tom Hanks' character in the movie Castaway. Wow. What the hell? This is a trooper. This is a trooper. <laughs> State police said that Steele had been in the makeshift shelter since December 17th when the roof of his cabin caught fire after he burned a big piece of cardboard in his wood stove. Oh. He believed a spark from the cardboard ended up setting the roof ablaze, and he had been living alone. Uh, he'd been living alone since September. Uh, while recounting the events with state police after his rescue, Steele said he managed to grab a handful of supplies from his burning cabin, but most of his possessions, including his six-year-old dog, Phil, didn't make it. Oh, oh, man. The fire is just a huge, massive grease fire. Every shovel of snow that I throw on it, I'm hysterical trying to put it out, and it's not doing anything, Steele told the troopers. And I worked up... I worked up into the morning and into the light trying to put out various sections of the fire. The mid-December fire left him with no way to communicate. Besides having a non-working phone and no map, the 30-year-old was in a location with, with, uh, with, with miles of forests, hills, rivers, and lakes that left him separated from the road system. He had no snow machine, which is what Alaskans call snowmobiles. Yeah. And his nearest neighbor was 20 miles away in the tiny community of Squentna, Steele's only way in or out of the wilderness was by air charter. Well, as Downing notes, where do our sensibilities lie? Is this guy an idiot, or uh, is he in touch with nature? Well, it sounds like he had the supplies until they burned down. Uh, 
The 30-year-old said he was concerned about trying to make the trek and falling through rivers that had not yet frozen over, and he only would have about six hours of daylight to attempt to travel through a tremendous amount of powder. His snowshoes had burnt up in the blaze, and he was left only with boots and crappy socks that were full of holes. I had a headlamp for maybe 10 or 11 days, but I only had the batteries that were in there. Steel sit. I think this guy's a moron. Don't uh, we Don't we know I, a guy that this almost happened to, Rook? He, uh, he had a bunch of sawdust, and he threw it into a fireplace, didn't he? Yeah. The first two nights after the blaze, Steele spent in a snow cave before he was able to put together a makeshift shelter from what remained from his now burned-out cabin, scavenging together tarps and scrap lumber to build a tent-like shelter around the wood stove. Once I got the second shelter built, I kept a fire on the wood stove perpetually, and I basically used that to heat up my food. Uh, it's not about keeping the shelter warm because it basically just took the edge off. Uh, he's... he's uh, he salvaged some old uh, charcoal smudged overalls from a shed. He re- he rationed some 30 days of food that he was able to salvage after a lot was melted. I'm allergic to pineapples, he told Fox 13 on Saturday. Where the hell do you get a pineapple why, there? Why, why does that? Uh... Well, this is a very strange story, isn't it? I'm allergic to pineapples, he told Fox 13 on Saturday after making it home to his family's home in Utah. I ate them anyway because it's what I had. Why would you have them? That's if what you're Downing wants to know. <laughs> Why in the hell did you lay in a bunch of pineapples it's, if you're allergic to pineapples? It's almost as if the yo-yo guy yeah. from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Wrote bop, 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 <laughs> now he and the trooper are engaged. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he held me for what seemed like days. Uh, I am going to reserve judgment and not make a call on that one because yesterday I I failed my own survival class. This kid and I went out on uh, snowshoes in the middle of the woods. And uh, I decided I was going to impress my son and start a fire out there with uh, only the uh, the materials we had that Mother Nature provided yes. for us. And uh, yes, Father. About 15 minutes into the fire lighting uh, process, I uh, turned to Ben and said, uh, Ben, got any paper on you? <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, hung my head and trudged out to the truck and <laughs> went to my shop and warmed up. I, I could not light a fire in the woods. Light my fire? Don't, John. Don't do that. What? Say, at Schmelz Countryside in Maplewood. What do you got, Such? Southeast quadrant of Highway 36 and 61 in Maplewood is a uh, sign-through drive performance event on Alfa Romeo. Your first payment is waived on leasing a new Alfa Romeo. you got to see these cars. They're the classiest cars on the road. The Julia is the sedan. The Stelvio is the SUV. Returning Alfa lessees get extra loyalty money this month. And Alfa Romeo's 2019 clearance deals are on as the 2020s are around the corner, and there's a great selection. Certified pre-owned VW TDIs get a two-year unlimited mileage warranty from VW, bumper to bumper. Certified pre-owned Alphas come with a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty from Alfa. So it takes the factory four-year, 50K, and bumps it to 5,100. We are clearing out 2019 Fiats with discounts up to $5,000 off on 124 Spiders. And those Spiders have a great selection of manual transmission. 2020 Tiguan's around the ground and ready for delivery. This is my dealership. I have bought I buy cars from Schmelz, uh, well, more frequently than I probably should if you listen to the people at my house. <laughs> uh, but I love it. It's a family dealership that goes back generations. And uh, right now, if you stop in, will you please tell them that GL sent you and they'll sign you up to win a $100 Blue Plate restaurant gift card. Three distinct websites, 
S-C-H-M-E-L-Z, SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzAlphaRomeo.com, and SchmelzFiat.com. Here's John Height. Why, thank you, Joe. Uh, before I get to news, there's a, kind of a breaking sports story here that's uh, pretty amazing. Uh, remember the Astros were accused of illegally stealing signs during their World Series championship season in 2017? Banging on a trash can in the dugout. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. Telling what pitch was coming. Well, Major League Baseball, uh, they've now decided what's going to happen. It's pretty uh, pretty. Spectacular, I guess, is the way you'd put it. One-year suspension for the Astros GM, Jeff Lunell. A one-year suspension for bench manager, A.J. Hinch. Ooh, the forfeiture of first and second round draft picks in both 20 and 21. Wow. A fine of $5 million, the maximum allowed under Major League Baseball's uh, constitution. So the wow. Astros. Holy cow. Astros paying a price for that. Wasn't there a, uh, a story or a report over the weekend that the Red Sox were also being investigated for that, Johnny? Yes. from the, They were stealing them from the uh, from inside in the uh, I had no idea TV. that MLB could actually suspend somebody in the office. Oh, yeah, it's happened. Wouldn't sure. stealing no. signs fall under the category of just uh, well, not, baseball? Not, yeah, but they were not, using not using a camera and using, you know, that's oh, not, oh. you can't But do just that. do better signs, have better signs, so you trick them. There's a place in, you can make signs in town. Right, that's right. You, you want to have signs? You can make signs? Get make signs. I get you a sign. Why do I need a sign for? Why do I want signs? <laughs> Boy, that's, the, that's baseball sending a message. That is huge. Wow. Yeah. Is that without pay? Uh, yeah, I would assume. How can they yes. control? Okay, whatever. Never mind. <laughs> Fast signs in Roseville. It's their number hey, one hey, priority. Hey, we don't want to hear this. Businesses reach <laughs> out to each Stop other it. using signs you established uh, and built and created you, and invented. Uh, that, uh, That's about as much as I yeah. can play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we, we learned some new words during that one. <laughs> in news, a proposal for the state's first... I didn't know you could put the F word inside of the sign word. Oh, yeah. A double adjective. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the technology that they were using, the Astro. <laughs> Proposal for the state's first copper-nickel mine suffered a major setback Monday morning when the Minnesota Court of Appeals reversed three permits issued to Polymet Mining Corp. by the State Department of Natural Resources and kicked them back to the DNR for additional review. The DNR, the court said, erred in not holding so-called contested case hearings on the permits to fully vet objections by environmental groups in the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. That, according to Chief Judge Edward Cleary, in addition, Cleary said the DNR should have established a clear time limit in Polymet's all-important permit to mine and did not. The ruling's a major win for the tribe and the environmental groups opposed to the Polymet's North Met projection, a $1 billion open pit mine and processing operation planned for a site near Babbitt and Hoyt Lakes. Such uh, as the mayor of Garage Logic in uh, Gumption County, have you given that topic, that uh, argument, that fight a lot of thought, a lot of consideration? Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to get into it? No. Okay. Yeah, no, it, not it's, today. It, it's a, uh, it's frustrating. Uh, I don't know whose side to be on there. We need medals. We we certainly do, and we need the jobs. Um, but that's a very precious part of the state. We have lost another Democratic presidential candidate. 
Well, somebody who fell down out. Down to about 60. Bernie. Bernie's out. Not He's Bernie. Done. It's Cory Booker, who now has dropped out. With his departure, former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, now the only black candidate remaining in the 12-candidate Democratic primary. In a statement, he said, nearly one year ago, I got in the race for president because I believed in my core that the answer to the common pain Americans are feeling right now, the answer to Donald Trump's hatred and division, is to reignite our spirit of common purpose to take on our biggest challenges. I've always believed that. I still believe that. I'm proud I never compromised my faith in these principles during this campaign to score political points or tear down others. Booker held a staff call at his campaign headquarters in Newark before making his announcement public. Jordy, uh, offside correspondent Jordy, alerted me to the latest on Bernie Sanders, the fraud. Uh, his campaign is running largely on the issue of climate change, uh, and he will increase his private jet usage during the Senate impeachment trial, allowing him to jet back and forth between D.C. and early primary and caucus states. You think this club is exclusive right. that these fools are in? <laughs> yeah. uh, this is according to his campaign advisor, Jeff Weaver. While the Senate has not yet set the parameters of the upcoming impeachment trial and House Speaker Pelosi has yet to transmit the articles to the upper chamber, particularly those who are also running presidential campaigns, senators, are beginning to strategize how they will effectively balance the trial and their campaigns. Isn't this amazing? Sanders' campaign, which raised a massive $34.5 million in the final quarter of 2019, does not seem too worried. Weaver, Sanders' senior campaign advisor, suggested that the presidential hopeful will simply increase his private jet usage, commuting to D.C. <laughs> to early voting states as needed. Sanders' war chest, including his field-leading 34.5 million haul in the last quarter, allows him flexibility that other contenders can't match, including use of private jets to ferry him back and forth for late rallies in early states. It's all for the children. <laughs> yeah. According to Jordy. Wow. That's something. That this phony. This 30, fraud. 34 fraud. And a half wow. Million. Just in one quarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Had that in the news last week, Chris. I wasn't listening. Yeah, I figured. Britain's Queen Elizabeth has given her blessing to grandson Prince Harry and his wife Meghan's wish for more independent future following crisis talks involving the most senior members of the royal family. The 93-year-old monarch said in a statement Monday morning, my family and I are entirely supportive of Harry and Meghan's desire to create a new life as a young family. Although we would have preferred them to remain full-time working members of the royal family, we respect and understand their wish to live a more independent life as a family while remaining a valued part of my family. Look up the population of the United Kingdom. You should, Kingdom it shouldn't population. take you long. I, I, could, I have yet. my own laptop, I but I probably yet. should do it. Uh, Are we going to reenact an off-air argument? Yes. <laughs> I read a... Uh, 10 I read a, a.m. we're yelling at each other. <laughs> I read a great statistic in my free Sunday New York Times. Mm -hmm. which I get free because my guy's guilty that it don't show up till 11 a.m. And I've already gone to the gas station to get their two local papers. Uh, it, it, you know what it costs to fund the royal family? Hmm. To provide their overhead? Is this their, another question you need to look up? No. One pound for each man, woman, and child in the United Kingdom. What's the population? 66.44 million. So it takes $66 million a year to run their operation. Wow. That's pretty cheap entertainment for a buck a person. Wow. Buck a person, yeah. I would be in for a buck. That's a cheap entertainment for That's a buck a, a person. Huge waste. That's yeah. uh, the biggest waste of money I've ever you got seen. History. You got people. It brings tourism to the country. Yeah, uh, but it's only a buck a piece. Well, wait a minute. A pound is one point three U.S. dollars. So okay, so let's do that math. It's a dollar thirty. So what is their share of it? Um, these two, uh, Megan and uh, the other one. I don't know, but I get a kick out of things like reading that Charles is upset. 
<laughs> because he used so much, so much of his own money to help Harry and Meghan decorate their cottage. <laughs> you have no income, you fraud. <laughs> you have no money. You have never worked a day in your life. Are you referring to Frogmore Cottage? I think so. I think it's Frogmore. Have you been wow. there? Have no. you been on the grounds? No. Eighty-six million. This uh, this eighty-six million in U.S. dollars. That no, that's too high. They don't. They, yeah, because it's one point three. The U.S. dollar is one point three. Oh, 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 oh I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I, I was thought you were referring to Harry. I still no. say it's cheap entertainment. It's cheap entertainment. <laughs> Uh, I, I looked this. This is, of course, been a topic up the hall. So I looked up Frogmore Cottage. That's a that's a nice place oh, they got yeah. there. Nice yeah, grounds. Yeah, They've yeah. got a barn yeah. there. Oh yeah, and, uh, a couple of castles and the golf course <laughs> and polo grounds. A couple of castles. Pete Dye, who designed many of America's most famous golf courses and became known as the Mad Scientist of golf architecture for his imagination and challenging, uh, challenging layouts, died last Thursday. He was 94 years old. His death was announced by the Dye Family's company, Dye Designs, on Twitter. He'd been treated for dementia, lived in Gulfstream, Florida. What's his most famous hole, Staff? Uh, 17th uh, Island. Uh, At the Players. TPC, yeah. yep. TPC yeah. Sawgrass yep. in Ponte Verdra. I read the piece, so oh. I cheated. That's uh, their best known, uh, the Island Green, the 17th hole. Uh, probably the most photographed hole in golf history. The green is only 135 yards from the tee, but it brings dread to even the world's greatest does, golfers. Does that, in fact, Joe, prove that this guy is evil to yeah. the core? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just straight <laughs> up evil. <laughs> Surrounded by water and connected to the rest of the course by a slender land bridge, it's one of the most recognized images of the sport. Die named the 18th hole of his Whistling Straits course in Wisconsin, Diabolical, D-Y-E, get it? The D-Y-E, because that's how his name is spelled. That's clever. A par four that measures at least 500 yards. It plays into often sudden and shifting winds that blow in from Lake Michigan, uh, requires golfers to drive over sand dunes and bunkers, among some 1,000 hazards on the course. Paul Dye Jr., known as P.D., and then Pete, as a youngster, was born December 29, 1925, in Urbana, Ohio. He began playing golf as a boy, continued to design courses well into I've his I've played Whistling Straits. You have. You might as well put me in a tank in Afghanistan and say, go get some bad guys. I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> where I was, how I could hit it. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Activist group One Million Moms is taking aim at Burger King for using what it calls the D word in a commercial promoting the non-meat impossible Whopper. In the ad, a group of people taste test the plant-based patty. You've seen it probably. Sure. One of the guys says with a mouthful of food, food damn, that's good. That They're ad, complaining about the word damn. They are. That ad was posted online in August when Burger King began sales at stores nationwide. But on Friday, One Million Moms posted a press release criticizing the use of the D word. She's well, got life figured out that yeah. that's what her biggest concern is. Uh, one million moms finds this highly inappropriate. When responding to the taste Who's test, get it first. Uh, he's got better access. That's true. When responding to the taste test, he didn't have to curse. They put in their statement, or if in fact it was a real and unscripted interview in which the man was not an actor, then Burger King could have simply chosen to edit the profanity out of the commercial. Well, if damn's a problem, we're. I wish damn was the worst of our problems. If damn's a problem, we are. Actually, I'd <laughs> like to get her email address, and I'll send her that signed it's, it's clip It's not from a her, Joe. it's a group. Sorry, Chris, it's a group. Well, whatever. One million moms. One million moms. They're a division of the American family. And every single one of them are manned? 
I guess. It's a division of the... It's called a million mad moms? One million moms. <laughs> One million moms God, who are mad. What is wrong with you people? Whatever happened to the group Drunks Against Mad Mothers anyway? Yeah, yeah, where'd I, they I, go? Drunks Take me drunk. I'm home. Love that. Damn. That would My be favorite too. state fair shirt. <laughs> One million moms is a division of the American Family Association, the nonprofit evangelical Christian group. Despite its name, it's not clear that the group actually has a million members. According to its website... Oh. More than 8,000 people have taken action on the Burger King issue. Its Facebook group has about 100,000 You know, Patrick likes. claimed that fondue was the worst time in American history. Right, right. I think plant-based meat is the worst time in American history. I've never had it, I'm and I don't intend it. to. You don't want to try the impossible? Hail the flashlight king. Hail you! Uh, ben writes, if memory serves, there used to be a town in Gumption County by the name of Diversityville. I seem to recall it was populated by individuals with hyphenated surnames. I was reminded of it during Friday's episode when the story of Nicholas Stacy Dash Alcantara was brought up. He's the kid who built the snow cave out in Utah. The 17-year-old who survived for 30 hours. I don't think I've ever heard the name at any point in the podcast. Is the town still around? Or is it faded away into GL lore? No. Uh, Garage Logic is uh, surrounded by three towns Diversityville, Euphoria, Tabletown, and Liberal Lakes. Liberal that's Lakes. Not, that's not in there. That's not in there. Isn't there a table in there no, somewhere? No, table no. talk down? No, no, that's not a town in, in the Gumption County. Table that's talk. a town in your imagination. Not that these aren't in my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that yeah. road. Yeah. <laughs> Diversityville, Liberal Lakes, and Euphoria. From the Oops Department. The Ontario government admitted to erroneously sending out a mass alert telling of an incident at Pickering Nuclear Generating Station Sunday morning, sending people across the region into a panic. They sent out a retraction notice about 106 minutes later. I follow a uh, comedian that's based out of Toronto or uh, out of Ontario. Yep. And she was hilarious yesterday about this because the entire the entire area freaked out. It was pretty funny. I think yeah. I would too. Oh, I'm sure you would. Uh, it's it's my most con- constant thought of of disasters. What happens if there's a problem in Monticello and we've got a northwest wind? That cloud is coming our way. Yep. What are you going to do, boys? Break glass, smoke, lucky. <laughs> I'm going to hightail it north as hard and fast as I possibly can go. I got to get around that wind. Yeah. Got to get around that wind. At about 7.25 in the morning Sunday, the province said an incident reported at the station. Now I'll think about that for the rest of my life. It's all I ever it's think never about. occurred to me. <laughs> no, it's all I, how do I get around Monticello? Well, what it, if you're up at the farm and there's a south, east, west, east, southeast, north, north, south, northwest, south, southwest, coming from the southeast, southeast wind. Then the same thing. I think I would go south, south I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd head south. Yeah. The uh, retraction alert went out at 9-11 in the morning, saying there's been no abnormal release of radioactivity. People near the Pickering Nuclear Generating Station do not need to take any protective actions at this time. They just said, never mind? Yes, never mind. Our bad. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Whoops. We have have one down in Red Wing, though, too, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about it. It's not like hitting the foghorn button when you meant to hit the stinger, is it? No. <laughs> not the same. <laughs> it's happened again. Uh, it's uh, got a sad ending, but I suppose it'll continue to happen. A British model fell to her death from a popular selfie spot well, in she's Australia. She's sight with nature. Sunday morning. 21-year-old Madeline Davis died after plunging off a 98-foot-high cliff in Diamond Bay Reserve in Sydney about 6.30 in the morning. 
She'd been at a party, apparently, uh, in, on Saturday night before she and seven friends decided to head to the cliffs in the early hours on Sunday. Probably a really good idea. Yeah, Not a good idea. Yeah. They're believed to have climbed a fence to sit on the edge of a cliff to watch the sunrise. NSW police said that emergency services were called to the area around 6.30 in the morning. Madeline's body was found in the water four hours after oh. police were called. She had arrived in Australia from Lincoln late last year, having previously visited the likes of Thailand in her travels. Her death, not the first to have happened on those cliffs, which are a hot spot for tourists. Last August, 27-year-old fell to her death, with witnesses at the time saying uh, she was taking photos. I saw a picture of this model. Uh-huh. She has no idea what a cliff is. Okay. You're saying not the brightest bulb. She shouldn't have been. She's great looking. Sure. She's she very had, pretty. She didn't know what pretty. a cliff is. Not burdened with the complex I don't mind. think so. By Monday morning, her parents had confirmed that Madeline, who was described as a free spirit, had died. Another family member wrote, thank you for all the beautiful condolences for Madeline Davis and her family. Well, that's a sad note, John. That's a very sad note. Sad note. Sad note. Sorry, I, I, do you want me to read another story? Because I was just going to look at something here. You, you got an email. Not so sad. Not so sad to end on. I want to. I want to give you an uplifting note to end on. Sure. From Sanibel Jim, the Packers Bar in Fort Myers yeah. Beach is called Parrot Key. Hmm. So they were really into it last night. I bet they were. He said it was packed. Uh, get it? Like being at Lambeau, oh, but everyone oh, oh. was dressed in shorts, t-shirts, and sandals instead of parkas and boots. Johnsonville brats should have been Grunhoffers, and deep-fried white cheese curds were being consumed by the ton. A lot of beer, too. A great time. Packers fans from all over the U.S. were jammed into this wonderful old Florida bar restaurant. Oh, sounds awful. Next Sunday, it begins again. <laughs> Next Sunday, it begins again. So he was. He sent a picture of his tennis shoes that he got there. Uh Packer shoes. Beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Has ever been in a bar this time of year over in Wisconsin? Oh, it's unbearable. Well, you Kenny, know, this is on Santa. This is on Fort Myers Beach. I know it is, but it's the same thing. If there's, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If it's full of Packers fans, you're going to be sitting in your car smoking heaters, pa- waiting for no, your buddies. No, Packer fans are great. It's the uh, Viking fans you can't put up with. Yeah. Uh, and the great debate continues on. Had no debate here. <laughs> you said you went to France this weekend, Such. What three bulbs? Because they got the kind of bulbs they want. Two of them worked. One was dead on arrival. Had to take. Take it back, no problem. They switched it out immediately. I'm Beautiful. going immediately after the podcasts to the Grand Avenue store to get a sink replacement. I got to replace the sink because the uh, the, the faucet. Whole sink? No, the the faucet thing. You know what comes out of the faucet? The, yeah, I'm, uh, the, it's the, dirty. Sand. We just replaced one yeah. too. Yeah. I'm, I'm going the to the frats on Lake Street. I'm going to give them a nickel so I can get a brown bag. <laughs> and, and I just want to wish Michael a happy birthday. That's right. Happy How birthday, birthday, Mike. Let's How get old new- is he? 60? <laughs> Not a day or 60, I think. Let's wow. get going in some new uh, some new barrels, uh, please, as soon as possible, Mike. GarageLogic.com is where you go for all things GarageLogic and to order your GarageLogic gear. See you there, GarageLogic.com.